0: Hello and welcome back to Speaking Startup, Missouri Business Alert's podcast covering news and issues important to entrepreneurs. I'm Naomi Kling.
1: And I'm Max Hogan. On this week's show, we'll begin by taking a look at the latest headlines in startup news.
0: Then we'll look at how Kansas City-based startup Triple Blind is part of a worldwide effort to track COVID-19 infections while maintaining your privacy.
1: After that, we will talk about how COVID-19 is affecting startups' ability to raise capital with Jim Gann, director of the University of Missouri Business Engagement Center.
0: And finally, we will give you our digits, the numbers that matter in Missouri Startup News.
1: Alright Naomi, let's speak startup.
0: Okay, Max, we are a few weeks now into quarantine, and I don't know about you, but it's been pretty difficult for me being alone in my apartment with just my roommate. Do you have any advice on what to do to kind of entertain yourself and break up this monotony?
1: You know, Naomi, I have to be truthfully honest with you. I never thought of myself as a uh, big bike rider, but I've become a really big bike rider the past couple of weeks. Uh, as well as a big runner, which I never thought uh, I would be, you know, who knows, maybe after this quarantine, I'll be able to run a marathon. Um, But what about you?
0: I definitely told myself at the beginning of this that I would be regularly running outside getting exercise, but I definitely haven't. (laughs) Instead, I have a small balcony in my on my apartment, And so I sit out there when it's nice, or even if it's chilly, just listen to music so I can at least get some fresh air.
1: You know, one thing I didn't say that I also do is listen to my podcasts. I'm a big podcaster. I like listening to podcasts, um, just like this one. So with that being said, why don't we hop into our headlines for this week?
0: That's a good idea, Max. What do you have for us?
1: Well, Naomi, entrepreneurs and businesses across the country are finding it difficult to gain federal COVID-19 relief. About $350 billion is set aside for the paycheck protection program through the U.S. Small Business Administration. The president of Country Club Bank in Kansas City told the Kansas City Star there's a gray area among many of his clients that isn't being addressed by the SBA. Many banks across the country stopped taking applications two days after they opened.
0: Digital Aerolys, a Kansas City based aerospace startup, Is launching a drone designed to use ultraviolet wavelengths to kill germs that routine cleaning can't. The drone allows the operator to clean the affected area from a distance. A company representative said the product should start shipping by the end of the month.
1: A St. Louis based startup that helps patients interact with doctors through text, phone, and video chats has raised $6 million in a Series A funding round. The company SteadyMD also uses the telehealth platform to match patients to the doctors that can serve them best. The startup is providing a free three-month trial to COVID-19 first responders, including doctors, nurses, and healthcare workers. The company aims to position itself as an alternative to in-person appointments.
0: SickWeather, a Kansas City-based illness forecasting app, has recently added a new function that tracks and predicts the spread of the coronavirus. The app started picking up signs of COVID-19 back in January, but the company's CEO told Startland News that testing wasn't sufficient to confirm that it was the virus. Now the app shows which cities are seeing an increase in cases of COVID-19 and which cities might be next. Now, a lot of apps around the world are working to use location data to track the spread of COVID-19, but this has brought up a lot of concerns about privacy and surveillance.
1: That is an issue. Is anyone doing
0: anything about that? So, a Kansas City-based startup, TripleBlind, has joined an international effort to use location tracking while preserving privacy. The company makes privacy software and hopes its contributions can benefit the work to combat the virus.
1: So, how much of a benefit is this going to be, Naomi?
0: Well, I spoke with Greg Storm. He's one of the founders of Triple Blind. I spoke with him about how this data protection works, how his company got involved, and who he hopes it will help. Here we have Greg Storm. Greg Storm is a co founder of the Kansas City based startup Triple Blind. Thanks for joining us, Greg.
2: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here
0: so first can you talk to me a bit about your company triple blind and what exactly it does
2: uh, what triple blind is focused on is privacy as a service so we're building a platform to allow data element data sets and algorithms to be kept private uh, but yet interact in kansas city an example might be h uh, and block let's say that h and block has Millions of tax returns. Those tax returns are very, very private data. As a result of that, HR Block doesn't let anybody have access to those tax returns. Let's say they're approached by someone. Let's say Experian came to HR Block and said, Look, uh, we think we could do a better job doing credit scores for people if they happen to have their tax return. Uh, so, what we would like to do is we would like to access your tax data when we have a a request to do a credit score for an individual. What Trouble Blind wants to do is be this, kind of the, the, the firewall, if you will, the scene between H&R Block and the credit scoring agency. We want to keep h and Block's data private, and we want to keep the credit scoring agency's algorithm private, and we do that through encryption. So we encrypt the data and we encrypt the algorithm, we bring those two together in the encrypted space and deliver the answer back, in this case, to the credit scoring agency without them ever getting access to, trouble, uh, to uh, H&R Blocks data and without them ever taking the risk that someone over in an h and Blocks IT department might see their algorithm and decide to copy it.
0: So just to clarify, it allows this information sharing between these companies while taking away that human element
2: that is exactly correct. What we, are, what we are trying to do is mathematically enforce privacy versus contractually enforcing it. It's not like you have to trust somebody. We're building in the mathematics to prevent them from, you from having to trust them. In fact, that's the, the source of our name. We are blind to the data. We are blind to the algorithm and we are blind to the result.
0: So I know that Triple Blind is involved in the creation of an app that is supposed to help combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what that app is and how you got involved with it?
2: In February, starting in January, actually, but in January and February, we've been working with researchers at MIT. In February, we happened to be uh, closely associated with Ramesh Raskar, the, the professor up there. So, on the in in particular, to be specific, the day Mike Pence uh, got the job was announced as the leader of the coronavirus response. Uh, Ramesh was actually at a healthcare conference in Florida. Okay. Some of some of the people on Mike Pence's team were at that same conference, and they came into a breakout session at the conference and said, "Look." Rather than talking, you know, talking about what we were scheduled to talk about, uh, we've now got this job to lead the response, and let's think of an, the best thing that the people in the room could do to help us. And you know, from that brainstorming session, the idea that hits you almost immediately is everybody's carrying a phone around. And the obvious thing that comes from that is well, everybody's phone has a GPS locator on it. We can know with precision where they are for the past 28 days without much, much effort. As soon as the idea to build an app came up, Ramesh knew that it was going to have to be respectful of your privacy. And he knew that we had the best technology that he knew of with respect to how to keep data private. So thus the reason he, he reached out to us and the reason we jumped on the opportunity to, um, to, to contribute. Starting in mid to late February, to now, uh, we've been trying to keep Triple Blind running while contributing a great amount of attention and effort to a, um, an open source effort at MIT to build a coronavirus tracker app for your phone. So it's been crazy. The, the attraction for them and for us, for Triple Blind to be involved, is our technology around data privacy. You know, everybody wants to contribute to fighting coronavirus. Very few of us are willing to give up all of our privacy to do that. So, trying to figure out how to, to track the virus and fight the virus and still respect your privacy is a big deal.
0: So, what's going on with this app? How quickly was it developed, and when should we expect to see it kind of in the market?
2: Um, you know, on, on the day this started, it was a contractor of Triple Blinds and Triple Blinds VP of Operations. Literally, I'd have to check my facts, but I believe they started on a Thursday. By Monday, they had the first draft of the app created. We donated that to MIT, and Ramesh is in the MIT Media Lab. He put out the call for help. Uh, He's been literally, he's been getting volunteers from around the world. So it it truly is an app where the sun doesn't shine on on, on or doesn't set on development. Uh, Because we're working around it around the clock around the world, and uh, as soon as they get to version 1.0, that's going to be their general release. I'm expecting that next week. the The name of the app is Private Kit, um, and it's in both the App Store and the Google Play Store. So you can go download it now. If you download it today, you're going to get the pre-release version. If you you download it next week, you'll get the first release. But there's also a um, MIT has started a separate uh, website to kind of house it. And that website is COVIDSafePaths.org.
0: So there are already a lot of apps out there that track location. What makes this app different and how will we see it being used?
2: What this app is really good for is knowing GPS-wise exactly where you've been. We actually record your GPS location every five minutes. The thing we've added on top of that then is Um, The new Bluetooth protocol um, sort of broadcasts a unique identifier to your device on a relatively continuous basis. So when you walk in a room with five people who all have phones, uh, those five phones or six phones all exchange Bluetooth identifiers. You know, it kind of knows that there are other entities out there. We're also remembering those entities along with your GPS location. So um, what we do is we remember that on your phone, it's never uploaded anywhere, it's just kept. And then when you show up at the hospital and you're diagnosed, there's a legal requirement that a healthcare authority has to do what is called contact tracing. They have to look at you and say, okay, where have you been the last 14 days? And it's a manual interview. So our view was, why don't we automate that? If if at that point in time you had the ability to upload your data to that healthcare professional to say, well, with precision, here's where I've been every five minutes for the last 14 days. And we, and we put that on a map that would automate that interview. And instead of a, you know, potentially an hours-long discussion, you're down to a minutes-long discussion. And, and our thought was if we could automate that interview, we would take some pressure off healthcare workers. Yet yeah, the, um, the other thing that we've been thinking about is uh, there are a lot of mandatory workers, you know, essential workers, that have had to show up and keep working. And, um, you know, think think uh, the people in a hospital, mm-hmm. right? Given that we've got the fine grained tracking with Bluetooth now, uh, this app might actually turn out to be a good safety device, right? To know specifically who has not been in the room with someone that turned out to be infected. Or conversely, if a healthcare worker comes down with it, you know, which patients have they in fact talked to
3: um,
2: that they may have infected or which. Which workers had they been around, you know, in their past three days with inside the hospital, right? So um, this may turn out to be in, an important thing in that realm, you know, worker safety as well as general population. And we also um, are kind of being realistic here. Um, we're all going through a, a, a massive wave of of quarantine and containment and social distancing now. But, you know, in China and in South Korea, when they've relaxed those rules, the virus has come roaring back. So there's been a bounce, you know, in the the number of infected people. Uh, We're hoping that with something like this app, we'll be able to know when that bounce starts occurring, where it started occurring, and use this data to get ahead of it next time, as opposed to letting it get ahead of us like it did this time.
0: Thank you, Greg, for speaking with us.
2: Thank you very much. It was fun. I enjoyed it.
1: Okay, now we turn to startups' ability to raise capital during this unprecedented time. While navigating startup means twists and turns every day, the COVID-19 pandemic has added a new type of pressure for startups.
0: You mean with funding, right?
1: Yes, I do mean with funding, Naomi. According to a recent survey of global venture capital firms, 83% of investors said that the virus is having an impact on their investment activities or plans. In addition, global startup funding was projected to decline 12% in the first quarter of this year, according to research from CB Insights.
0: So how are startups and entrepreneurs dealing with this?
1: That's a great question, Naomi. I was able to speak about that with Jim Gann, who is the director of the University of Missouri Business Engagement Center. He provided a sense of startups' ability to raise capital along with what investors are currently feeling. We now welcome on Jim Gann, the director of the Business Engagement Center and Mizzou Venture Mentoring Service. Jim, how are you doing today?
3: I'm good, Maxwell. Thank you for having me on.
1: So the first question I wanted to ask you is pretty simple. How have you seen the COVID-19 pandemic affecting startups' ability to raise capital?
3: Well, the, it, it's it's certainly been an interesting time. And, and what what is happening is, is that, of course, uh, ambiguity and uncertainty are the areas that entrepreneurs operate in day to day. This is just... Uh, a, a normal set of ambiguity and uncertainty that's increased by a factor of, I don't know, 10, 100, 1,000, name a number. But, but what, what we're seeing on the front lines of, of small business support really is, um, is, is really the entrepreneurs trying to understand the situation they're in and then what programs are coming online that might be best suited. So we're, we're still in this up, uphill climb of, of understanding uh, what the needs are on behalf of the small business and what the offerings will be uh, in support. And and we're still in that point of working our way through that.
1: So then on the flip side, what concerns and or thoughts are you hearing from investors?
3: So the the, the investment community is is much in the same place in that you know by definition they're co-owners of businesses and so they have some of the same concerns and and worries that uh, any founders might have so um, there has been certainly talk in the investment community about what's this mean what programs will work best for the companies that we're invested in Um, it's it's that same We're still in that same period uh, for them as well of not not knowing at the moment what those best fits are to understand the path forward.
1: So with that being said, how risky would you say it is to start a business right now in these, as you said, unprecedented times?
3: Well, I think think that depends. So um, one of my roles is that Uh, I work with the Mizzou Venture Mentoring Service. And and we have been fairly busy since this has started in trying to be of assistance to the entrepreneurs that that we serve as mentors to. And what I've been most impressed by is is the creativeness and uh, the the, good skills that some of these entrepreneurs have had about assessing the situation. Figuring out how to best capitalize upon a situation that was beyond their control and then thrive um, as they respond to bring value to their customers based upon uh, this, this situation that we're in. And we've, we've had a number of companies that have been able to do that. And, and by thrive, what I mean by that is, is that uh, their business is, is, is growing exponentially because they've been able to offer value to their customers in this uh, in this state that we're in and probably what's more important is, is that they're also building trust in those customers because of this state that we're in that will likely carry on uh, continue to carry on even after uh, we get out of this emergent situation and and uh, Again, an overused word, but but whatever normal happens to be.
1: So then, in the midst of this uncertainty, where do you see opportunity from an early stage investment standpoint?
3: Well, in- investment certainly would would follow good teams, uh, good business models, uh, profit profit mm-hmm. margins that support. Uh, eventual liquidity events. Um, all those fundamentals haven't changed. So I, I, cannot, I cannot see a case where um, good businesses still would not receive, I, I believe good businesses will still receive the financing they deserve. The, the equity question though, and, and is this the right time to be raising, raising that equity, what I don't know is, is the overall uncertainty that equity investors would have in that they may need to be keeping some powder dry to be able to make investments back into companies in where they've already made investments to get them over the hump of this uncertain period that we're in. So that, that may cause some retraction. And some, it, it may cause a substantial retraction and um, the eagerness of equity investors to make investments. But what I'm certain of is that is that good businesses will find a way through.
1: All right, Jim, uh, that's all I had. So I want to thank you for speaking with us today, and I hope you have a good rest of your day.
3: All right, Maxwell. Thank you. Take care
1: of yourself.
0: All right, Max, you know what it's time for. It's time for us to give our digits, the numbers that matter in Missouri Startup News.
1: My digit this week is a pretty big one, Naomi. It's $800 million.
0: Wow, that might just be the biggest digit we've had so far.
1: Possibly, Naomi. That is the latest valuation for Safety Culture, a company that makes safety and quality management software. Safety Culture is based in Australia but it has its US headquarters in Kansas City. The tech company raised nearly $36 million in a funding round led by TDM Growth Partners. To date, Safety Culture has raised more than $112 million. What's your digit Naomi?
0: My digit this week is $30 million.
1: 30 million, really?
0: Yep. That's how much money small businesses requested from AltCap's COVID-19 relief fund in just three days. AltCap, a Kansas City-based organization, created a $5 million fund with flexible collateral requirements and zero interest for up to a year. There were more than 630 applications for the loans.
1: Well, Naomi, that's just about a wrap. But before we get out of here, we need a closing thought, like always.
0: Of course, Max. I have one from Greg Storm, who we spoke with earlier. Uh, he's one of the founders of Triple Blind. And Triple Blind is only about seven months old. So he has some insight about helping with the COVID-19 relief effort while still taking care of his own company's needs.
2: Um, so we believe that we're going to get some publicity and some notice out of this that we would have never gotten otherwise. And you know, frankly, we think that's going to be worth the effort that we've put into it, uh, you know, but having said that, the flip side of it is it didn't come for free, right? I mean, we, we, we were, we were spending a lot of cycles thinking about this app at a time when we didn't want to be. Uh, we were thinking about this app at a time when the rest of the economy went south in a big way. Um, you know, that hasn't been good for triple blind. <laughs> we're trying to work our way through it. And you know, some might argue that we would have done a better job of working our way through it had we stayed focused. Um, yeah, as it is, we're literally getting notice in countries other than the United States. And for a small company started in October in Kansas City, that's kind of cool, right? So uh, we're confident that, that we're getting a return on our investment. Uh, we're confident that we feel better about ourselves because we, you know, we're, we're doing something good for the world. Um, but we're also confident that we need to stick to our knitting and pay attention to to the reason that we're here, which is a a very interesting balancing act.
1: And that's all for this week. This has been Speaking Startup from Missouri Business Alert. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by Naomi Kling and me, Max Hogan. Our theme music was produced by Elliot Bowman. We'll speak to you next time.
0: Max, where do you listen to your podcasts? I listen to my
1: podcasts on Spotify and on SoundCloud, of course.
0: There you go. I listen to mine on the Apple podcast app that was automatically downloaded onto my phone.
1: Oh, uh, don't tell me you're an Apple Music person.
0: I am. (laughs) It's in the family. I think our family had a whole debate years ago spotify versus apple music and apple music one
2: well
1: i can respect it <laughs> <laughs>